gentlemen welcome to the latest episode of talking gays i'm jose new york she's Jeanette in la with us we have a special guest where if you're a fan of the bb 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 podcast when it used to be on mystery segment of espn and hopefully we can we can get any details if they'll be coming back in any way we have with us a very special guest charlie hume how are you doing today charlie I'm doing well. It's good to be here. Uh, thank you for getting all, all the bees in there and some extra bees. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to be with y'all. How often do you get together? Just not only on Zoom, because I know you stream on occasion playing golf with um, Lorenzo, with Liz. On I don't think Liz plays, but I think you guys, you still have connections with Liz, uh, with, with um, Charlie, uh, which is yourself, the other Charlie which is Charlie Kravitz and even um, Billy. How often do you guys just basically just say, you know what, we need to get together just to be able to just to see how each other's are doing or follow up with each other's, each other's lives. It, you know, it's funny. It's like, first of all, like not enough. And I, I don't, we recently did a zoom where literally we just hadn't talked in forever. Cause it was, you know, for the longest time, just like a weekly occurrence where we all get together and record the show. Uh, and so uh, we, we got together for a Zoom where we just kind of hung out, you know, for an hour plus, caught up in everyone's lives. That was really great. But we do have a group text where we text pretty much almost every day, uh, you know, or every other day. And, and it's almost always just roasting Lorenzo for his tweets. It's just like <laughs> another another Lorenzo tweet uh, about, you know, lamenting the state of the world and just like roasting him for it. And uh that's that's been a great source of, of uh, uh, you know, happiness in all of our lives or, or Lorenzo, like, you know, asks us for advice on something and like Billy and I take it on some absurd tangent. And, uh, you know, that it, it, it's it's obviously it's it's a great group. And I, and I love talking to all of them, kind of staying in touch. So, yeah. Well, the reason why I wanted to have you on is because you are very um, I don't know how I say this. Your personality is is someone that just like. It, it's just the, the fun guy. <laughs> you, you, you're always, not only when you guys are roasting Lorenzo, you, you just have this wonderful personality that you sort of like, like it, it, it's very heliocentric almost because <laughs> all the, the connections that you have and the fact that you guys all sort of roast each other, but you, you can tell there's a lot of love between you guys, especially being in that small room recording on Levitard, or, you know, Levitard being in that little small confined shipping container. You can tell you guys have to have a, a distinct love for one another in order for you to not only get along, but have this great camaraderie and this great friendship. I, it's 100% correct. Uh, you know, both 
when I was there physically in Miami and, you know, was in the container with all those guys, uh, you know, and just kind of, there, there are a lot of kind of, you know, long hours grinding, working on projects. And you only will do that if you're with a bunch of people that you love and, and enjoy spending time with. And, you know, I got super close with, 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 you know, Billy, especially through that process. And then, yeah, subsequently, honestly, last year, you know, before BBBBBB, when we were doing the challenge podcast, where it was another thing where like, it was just, it was just a tough time in the world for everybody. And to be able to round up at least once a week with a bunch of people, he really enjoys spending time with talk about something that felt like an escape in some ways and fun. And then to be able to like interview people on that show, you know, th those are just, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a great crew. It's hard, it's hard to not just, you know, be smiling all the time, be laughing all the time, enjoying everyone's company. So it's, it's it, it really, really good, good crew. Good night. Yeah, that was always like the interaction that you got, not just, you know, when you would watch the show or listen on the radio or hearing you guys on when you guys were able to establish your own podcast as a group is that, like you said, you guys will someone will come into the group and say, you guys, I'm having this going on. What is your advice? And it starts off as a meaningful conversation to help that person. And then it just, you know, because of Billy and everybody else, it'll derail into, you know, infinity tangents. And then the next thing you know, Eliz has a great recipe for you. And it's like, where did these 48 minutes go? So you felt like you were within your own friend group where you have those similar conversations. Yeah, I think that that's a really good observation. And and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a compliment too, which I appreciate, which is that, um, you know, anytime you're trying to do any sort of show or, or you know, whether it's television or podcast or whatever else, like the, 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 the best possible thing you can have is good chemistry and, and something that feels organic. Right. And it's really, really tough to produce that or contrive that. And I feel like, um, you know, we're lucky in, and honestly, a lot of times it's just, it's the personalities in that group. Like Lorenzo is just endless content. Like I'm just thinking now as we're talking about one where he was talking about, um, driving past like a cemetery or something and he was like you know he was with his i forget who, what the situation was but it was like his uncle or maybe his father maybe it was his father who, who turns the music down and he was like it's so weird that he turns the music down but i, I always cross myself and you go on this absurd tangent where, where you're, you're talking about one thing, he's like telling us about something that happened to him in his daily life. And he just so happens to mention this odd side thing. And we're like, wait, what, what are you talking? And then you kind of pursue that. And I think that that's, you know, that it, it, it's fun having people like that, that are willing to, um, you know, that, that have big personalities where you can kind of pick up on a lot of weird things. But also I think it kind of, it, to your point, it mimics hopefully what everyone's everyday lives are like, where it's just like, all conversations don't feel forced or produced. They're just all kind of organic. And so we're, we're lucky. L Lorenzo gives us a lot of content. It, it's, it's nice to have Lorenzo around, without a doubt. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was listening to the um, episode where you guys were trying to do the gift exchange and how <laughs> it was supposed to be Secret Santa and how he ends up like really wrecking it and everybody like you guys were not surprised because how he handled the situation and then then it's like well he ended up emailing the wrong allison <laughs> <laughs> and of course like like was it his gift 
that it was like, you know, he's the one that wanted to do this. And then his gift ends up being the one that ends up like on back order from, I think you, you got him like the Mando helmet, right? Or I, or, I, I did. Yeah. And it's it like, arrived. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's back order, like two months or something. It was, it, it, it's just so good. It, there's another one where I remember he had he he had this voice modulator that we all really love. Like <laughs> there was just something about the voice modulator that every time he used it, we just we were laughing. And so, and I, I think we called it the Zobot, the one of the robotic yeah, ones. Yeah. And there, there was like there was literally one record where he thought it was he thought it was off for like the last half hour of the record. And every time he he would talk, it was the robot voice, and we were just like. He's like, it, it, it's off, right? This is my normal voice. Like, yeah, 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 you're, you're good, you're good. And just, it just did not pick up on it, did not, you know, and, and it's it's just moments like that where he he's just, he's just so hilarious without even trying. Like, it's just, it's hard. It, you can't create that. It's like, it's just, that's just the way he is. And you just have to laugh at it. That's what I love about the, the BB, 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 squared podcast. <laughs> because it's the spontaneity of it all. I love the spontaneity, how how you don't know really, like the, the model is, you don't really know what you're going to get. You don't know what, like I said, even Jeanette even mentioned it, like it just, it's just a, a, a whole bunch of tangents. And in the end, you end up with a recipe. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and you know what, like a lot of people hate that. And, and I totally understand the people that hate that because they're just like, what the hell even is this, right? Like, what did I show up for? But I, it does make me very happy that there is a section of people that it sounds like you two are included in that where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to give you an hour of my life. Take me on some weird tangents, make me laugh a little bit. And like, I'm going to be happy with that because it, it stunned me. Like the amount of like tweets we would get on a weekly basis. I'm like, wow, people, we get done with, we get done with the record. We're like, there is just no way that people are going to listen to this. And then we put it out, it's like, wow, people listen to this. You know what? Like, I, let's just keep on doing it and and so that was that was kind of that, that really made me laugh a lot it, it was pretty cool i don't know if it has to be on the metal arc it could be independent i think you guys just need to get back together and just record something <laughs> on a weekly basis i don't care for the competition <laughs> i just really love the the, the 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 camaraderie that you guys exhibit on there i just it's it's as you said covid happened and it's still happening but you guys your, your friendship, as Jeanette even stated, it's something that sort of, that allows you to break from the, the repetition and, uh, and the sadness of things around you. And for a brief moment, it's just, it's just straight up laughter. It's just, it's like you forget about everything at that present moment. You're like, I'm gonna go on a, on a journey. I don't know where this journey is gonna go. But let's just see where the hell we end up. And I do love, I did love that episode with Zobot because I'm like, when do you, are you guys gonna let him know the modulator's on? Cause it was absolutely hilarious. Cause it's, it's like Lorenzo wants to be the straight man and it just blows up in his face. He's like, he's like, he's got, a, I can picture him with like a, an itinerary. This, I admit I, I this, we're doing this. I admit mean, this, we're doing this. I admit mean, and then, and then, tr- Billy's like, okay, you know your itinerary. That's just going in the incendiary. We're yeah. just gonna, we're just gonna wing it and basically see where we go from there. I love it. it he, it's, it's amazing how consistently he's able to achieve exactly that, which is showing up thinking that we're supposed to plan something out, and then just like 
just completely like winging it or not wanting to wing it, but having to and making it absurd and funny in ways that visibly frustrate him, but that we're all <laughs> laughing. So he's just kind of like, all right, I guess, I guess we're just, we're going here with this. And, and, it, and he's, a, he's a, you know, I, he's got to be committed for being a, a really good sport about it because I think that it doesn't work unless he's willing to be a good sport. And I think that, uh, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I, who knows? I mean, I, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, you know, we've kind of off and on got together and we probably should do something more formal, you know, given that people seem to enjoy it. But I think it's just, you know, everyone kind of having different levels of, of you know, Lorenzo's back in the office now. Kravitz has been back in the office for some time, I think. Um, you know, obviously, Billy on his side, you know, things have changed drastically since they are DraftKings own and everything. And so and obviously Elis is tough because she's still an ESPN employee. So um, I don't know, you know, who, you never say never, you know, the, the good news is, is it's not like it's broken up. Like we talk all the time. We, we, we're not, we're all, we're still super close friends just to be, you know, having had the opportunity to do a podcast. So. There's also like, you guys could do it and it's like voice modulators for everybody you know, under an assumed alias. So if there's like a way to like, we're not breaking any rules, but we're also not following them. So there's a lot of different avenues to go uh, in that. But um, I do have, I can't let, you know, let this recording go without mentioning that when I heard the last episode of BBB, BBB, B, 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 <laughs> hopefully I got them all in. Um, I cried by the end. I cried because I could hear the emotion in everybody where like you guys were not saying goodbye to each other. You guys were saying goodbye to a podcast, but it wasn't a goodbye to y'all's friendship. And by the time that you guys got to Eliz and she did the closing and she was crying. So when I heard her try to speak and her voice cracked, I was done. I started crying and I just felt like, um, like it's the end of a it's the end of the road and i felt the grief for that particular chapter ending for you guys but i kind of stood back and understood they're still going to keep in touch their their friendship isn't ending it's just the podcast this vehicle is ending because of the separations and whatnot but i still had all of the emotion because i could hear it from all of you guys you know it's like that record was so unexpected. Like, I think that we all kind of talked about it being the last episode and, and all sort of kind of hoping, you know, you never want to be the first person that has like a sense of finality where you're like, this is over, over, right? You're like, well, you never know. Like, you know, depending on how the new podcast feed works or the nature of the new deal or like the relationship with ESPN, but like we all pretty much had a good idea. Like once that relationship was over, it was going to be tough, at least for Eliz to, to keep doing it understandably so mm -hmm. and uh so then just kind of going into that like when we got to the end I didn't expect to get emotional like that but like I saw kind of like Billy first and then Eliz subsequently and it was just like wow this is really because because you're caught like at the beginning of it you're caught up in like the silliness of what it always was like the, the silly jokes the silly gift exchange you know you're just kind of like you're like you're trying to enjoy it but then you get to the end and, and you know how it is with like podcast recording. We're like, there's, there's a lot of extra stuff, stuff that's going to make the cutting, you know, it's not going to make it past the cutting room floor. And, uh, 
you know, you, you, you kind of get to the end where, you know, you, like this is the part of the time where, Hey, we usually kind of wrap it up and we record our, our, our clothes and you're all looking at each other like, Oh my goodness, like this is, this is the last time we're going to do this. And so that was, um, that's so interesting to hear that you had that experience too. Uh, because I, it just was like, it, it was, it was hard not to like, you know, especially if you enjoyed the show and you kind of been along for the ride for us, obviously we've been in it, but it was just like, wow, this is, you know, this is like really, you know, kind of gut wrenching. And so, but, but it I think it was cool just to sort of celebrate, you know, what a kind of, what a fun thing we'd had last year, kind of out of nowhere, you know, really from like March on, I think for a lot, of, it, it really kind of got us through that period of time. And that was, that was something we'll, that I'll always be super, super thankful for. You know, you devote a certain amount of time to it on a weekly basis. And then depending on what you're going through, it's a good escape. It's a good reminder. And it also would put you like for me in the frame of mind of uh, let me connect, reconnect with my friends and, and mm. not mimic what you have, what you guys were, were having on the podcast, but just enjoy them and check in on them and and let them know that even though in this darkness, this unknown that we were going through, that it's OK to laugh, it's OK to make mm -hmm. jokes and try to find positives in situations so having gone through that journey with you guys and then making it towards the end um i i, I it just was like I, I guess to me mm -hmm. it seemed really natural even though it was kind of unexpected when it was like for and for the last time i which which of the bees is your favorite bee though <laughs> oh man uh what do I it, it, it's so funny because initially I think it was pitched as six B's, which were baseball, basketball, and big brother. And I, and I was like, and then Lorenzo always want to add a seventh B or a final B. I, it's, when they first hit me up about this, I'll be honest. I was like, are we, is that literally all we're going to talk about? Because like, I, I don't, I'm not watching big brother. I'm definitely not watching baseball and I'm kind of hard pressed to watch basketball at this point in my life. And so they're like, no, 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 no. It's going to be about a bunch of random stuff, but that's just going to be, what we're going to pitch it as because they're all like topical things and evolutions of the challenge or whatever else. So I think my answer is I don't even have a favorite B. Maybe my favorite B was always what Lorenzo brought as a seventh B because it was it just always turned into something funny and absurd. <laughs> I have a sports-related question for you since you said that you're not really big into baseball. Or, or I allow you to be the commissioner of a particular sport. What sport is it, and what's the first one you implement? Oh, that's a good question. Um, that's a good question because I, I feel like I'm always naturally inclined to like pick the thing that I'm – doing a lot of right because it comes with like lots of perks right mm -hmm. so like right now i am i mean i i played golf my entire life but that's really what i you're gonna say yep yeah since the pandemic i mean I, I i just got back from playing golf i'm addicted to the game of golf um and, and i think it's, it's a wonderful game and i think it's it's a lifetime game and i think i i really hope that you know a lot of new people not your stereotypical demographics have you know kind of picked it up and started to participate since COVID began. And that's another one of those things that like big mental health booster, I felt like, you know, when you couldn't do a lot of other stuff, you could do that and be outside and be with people you want to hang out with and stuff. And so I would say commissioner of golf and what rule would I institute? Um, 
I, I know exactly what I do. I would call up whoever the LPGA commissioner is at the time. And I'd tell mm-hmm. them, we're going to say, you know, the, 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 the one team event that we do per year in, in Zurich where they have every other PGA tour event, you're playing by yourself, right? It may be a different format. You know, there may be some match play events. There may be some stable for scoring. There may be the regular scoring, but they, they do one event per year where you get a, you have a teammate, they assign it to you or you can pick whatever, and you play a team event for all four days. I'm changing that to a men's and women's team event, like a combined PGA, LPGA team event. Because I, I don't know why they don't do it. It makes no sense to me. And there are more, in my mind, there, there are marketable, women playing in the LPGA who, I mean, Nelly quarters won the Olympics. If you find good pairings, maybe you make, make sure the field is like, you know, uh, a, a small field. So there's high interest there, but like you could get some really cool pairings and shine a light on the LPGA and get more people watching that. And I think it would be a very compelling television event. So that is my answer. I would love to talking about golf. I would love to see like an all-star golf tournament where you bring some of the older folks or even retirees like Annika Sorenstam, Greg, Greg, um, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to remember. Norman. Greg Norman. Bring some of the older folks that, that have retired from playing in the big tournaments. Bring them back for like maybe not necessarily a pro-am, but something that you're able to bring back the, the golfers of then and now and sort of have them play, pair them together. So it can be mixed, as you say. And Annika Sorenstam playing with, um, let's just say, Tiger Woods' niece, who I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, you know, something where you're able to see past and present and to embrace not only the past of golf, but, but bringing the, the, the newer, younger people together to be able to show you this is the evolution of the sport. Because mm-hmm. once someone that you watch retires, you're never going to see them again. Except that they have create their own golf courses, which they do. I know Greg Norman's got plenty of golf courses that he designs all over. I know, um, you know, Arnold Palmer designed all these golf courses all over and, and, you know, Jack, Jack Nicholas and so forth. But I would be nice to be able to see a, a pairing of, you know, like, for example, the Yankees have old timers day. Something similar to that. It's not necessarily has to be the senior PGA tour, but a, a fusion of, of, of the two, even with the LPGA as well. Good. Um, yeah, because now that we've seen what the pandemic has done as far as like creative programming, like we had the two challenges, Brady versus Rogers. So you could have that maybe it's like mm-hmm. a four, four, five team, right? And you can, you know, that's another suggestion. Mm-hmm. And then in your league, when you're commissioner of golf in your in this uh, tournament that you want to establish, who is the uh, woman that you would want to team up with Bryson? That's a great question. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a really great question because it's like, who do you want? And there, and there, that's, there's so many good matchups where you could put together like, like different, like there, there's so many compelling, uh, you know, PGA players now, like, you know, the other side of, uh, of Bryson is, is Brooks and the other guys like that, that I think are a lot of fun. Like Cam Smith is like the Aussie dude with the big old mullet. Uh, who would I pair with Bryson? Maybe I do. 
like maybe I do someone like really sweet and upbeat just because it'd be a really fun juxtaposition. So like Lydia Ko, like mm-hmm. Lydia Ko and Bryce. But I feel bad putting Lydia Ko with Bryson. Uh, <laughs> I got like, one for you. I got okay. one for you. Tell Let's me. train Dr. Ruth Westheimer to play golf and team her up with Bryson <laughs> so she can calm him down on the golf course. You know, bring him down a little bit. Or, or someone like Fiery, like Lexi Thompson, that would be like a really good pairing too. I don't know. I, I, I that see this is what I'm saying. Like you could you could get that feel. And, and honestly, I probably have a pretty surface level knowledge of the LPGA field. Like you know, like uh, this is one of those things where you can learn more about the women that make up a full LPGA field by. Like, you know, I, I, and there are always varying arguments made on this. Like, well, you should be just watching it anyway. And like, but, but, you know, you do something that's joint and it just naturally casts a larger spotlight and you get to know these people. So I think, yeah. I, and, and I think also you're talking about, you know, bringing in past people. I love the stuff that they've been doing where I guess they only do one of them, the future where like Tiger played with the son, you know, mm-hmm. John Daly played with his son. Yeah. I thought it was shocking that they did not broadcast more of that on television i think they had like most of it on peacock you're like dude like do you do you know what this would rate tiger and his son playing like everyone and their mom wants to watch this they don't care what like they'd rather watch this than the actual pga tournament that's on that weekend you know what i mean and so i think that there are um the more you can do stuff like that because because you're pitching something that i know the yankees do old timers day but but realistically there's no other sport where you could take you know, like a Greg Norman and have him play in the same group with Tiger and his son, you know, like, you or you know, it, it's just, it's a game that everyone can play at any age and you can do things by moving tees around, whatever else to make it playable for everybody. Um, so I, I would love something like that. You know, that, that this may be kind of an extension of what they already do with the celebrity stuff where you see, you know, Tom Brady playing, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, those types of things, Steph Curry, you know, those are kind of like, you know, the more you can do those and a network's willing to pay for it and then donate money to charity, like, mm-hmm. let's do, let's do all of them, you know, like, why not? Everyone wants to do that. Is, so, is the, is the limitations in that? Cause it's not money and it's not going to be viewership because you're going to get it. Is it just like the, is there a hesitancy to, to accept, to accept change within the structure of golf? Cause everybody talks about like how baseball and like sticking to tradition. Is it just that golf, like, they just like, hey, what we're doing is fine. We don't need to kind of do more because they're scared of losing viewers. Are you talking about like the combined PGA LPGA tournament? Are you yeah, talking about like those like being those more, other more, events? more open to like creativity in their events, right. mixing the 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 contestant pool? Yeah. So like the so like the random you know, the random, like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Bryce and all that, that's all like someone else is organizing that or, or like the network themselves is organizing that. that's mm-hmm. outside the bounds of the PGA. If they can find a weekend where those guys aren't playing in a tournament and like the, you know, the quarterbacks aren't in training camp or whatever, right. Like to the extent that they can book in all those guys schedules and sell a sponsor, you know, that that's going to, that's going to donate money for the, the hole in one longest drive, whatever else. Right. Like, they, they can do as many of those as they can fit in the schedule. Um, but obvi- but there are limitations for all the people they, that they want to have. So you really can't do too many. They probably don't want to oversaturate from a TV perspective. That's one bucket. Now, the PGA, LPGA thing, uh, they give you a bunch of different technical reasons, and every single one of them would be wrong. They, probably mm-hmm. the first one they lead with is, um, you know, hey, we, we 
negotiate uh, the, the PGA. Like, you know, we, we have different sponsors who are promising a certain TV rating who are presenting the tournament locally or, you know, who, who get the presenting sponsorship on the TV contract. And, 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 you know, we're worried about our partnerships with, you know, CBS or, or whoever else, right. Whoever mm-hmm. has each of those individual tournaments. And, you know, we just think that if, that, you know, whatever you water down the field, I, I, I just don't think any of them are convincing because I think that people would, the first year alone, people will watch for the curiosity factor. And if it was awful, you could take it back to the drawing board and bag it, you know, but to, at least just give it two years, second year to see if you can hold the same ratings. I, I just thought, I, I think they, they just tell you a bunch of stuff about how they have all these existing sponsorships. And so I tell them, okay, cool. You know, I get that you have all these weekends booked. Now go find one of those sponsors and talk to them about doing this tournament and doing some sort of reconfiguration of the agreement they're not going to say no because everyone's going to be like, Hey, this is the first time this ever happened. Go watch this tournament. If anything, it's an, it's a value add for those mm-hmm. companies. So I just think it's just people don't, people don't want to, people just, you know, want to kind of do keep doing the same thing over and over again, instead of trying to figure out new stuff. So. Yeah. We'll and see. I believe that right now, kind of the dynamics of television and, and stuff like that, sports, sports viewership, this is the time to do it because it's a, an unusual, this isn't, we're never, hopefully we never experience another time like this. So right now is the opportunity to take chances and, you know, it could be like, well, you know, the pandemic kind of dictated for us to be, think outside the box and to do things a certain way. So then you just like go off and see like how did you do you know so in a weird way it's like a positive to 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 me yeah absolutely yeah it's it's just gonna take it's gonna take one person just really pushing for the idea and you know the right you know sort of corporate sponsor to, to partner up with um but yeah in my mind especially now as we kind of move move away from you know, linear cable television until mm-hmm. like subscription, you know, different streaming platforms, stuff like that. Like there should be no caps on the amount of content there. It's not like you have to fit everything in a TV schedule. So I, I think, you know, it'll happen someday. It's just a matter of whether it's like five, 10, 15, 20 years, whoever the leadership is at both, at both <laughs> those places. So, yeah. Where is the fa- your favorite place that your career has taken you? Let, let, like living place, place where living. Well, I would say my pit, my idea is if ESPN has taken you to Augusta or if you've ever been yeah, to Augusta yeah. or where is the favorite, like you're like, you never yeah. imagined your career would actually take you to this one place. Would Augusta be the place? Or I don't know if you, if that's where you're, if that's ESPN, you know, your career on working for ESPN has actually taken you to Augusta. But is there a place that you go, oh my God, I never in my wildest dreams expected my job just to be able to film on this location or travel to this place to work or whatever maybe yeah um that's an interesting one because i think like a lot like augusta was actually through uh family so you know some of that stuff is you know obviously amazing but but not necessarily i got there through work and and i've done a lot of like a lot of the stuff i've done through work has been like less remote production where, where you're, you're, you're doing stuff on location somewhere or more like I'm, you know, whatever I, I, I live and work here and produce this show in studio here. Um, but that's not to say that, that I haven't gone cool places uh, via that. So like, I would say maybe. So the ESPN cafeteria. 
Cafeteria is great. <laughs> love, love the campus there. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think what a good because because I mean we went some absurd places for the Levitard show. Like you can answer that a number of different ways. Like I had so much fun at the Super Bowl with Billy and Allison, where we went and like he raced the freeze and we were on Radio Row. You know, he was wearing the bald eagle suit on Radio Row. That was absurd. But like the year we were in that I was in Miami when we were on Fusion, we did a Billy and I did a Super Bowl preview together where we went to like a horse farm place and it was Panthers Broncos year. And we interviewed a Bronco, like a little kind of baby, like a little white horse. And then we went to like a wild, like game preserve, I guess is the best way to describe this place. Like basically it was, I'm sure you all saw Tiger King, right? Yeah. 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 The guy from (laughs) Miami in Tiger King that was like cocaine trafficking, all that stuff. Like he owned this place and he, and he had us come there and like interview a a Panther, which by the way, there are no, uh, there's no such thing as a, as a black Panther. It's a, it's a melanistic Jaguar. It's a Jaguar Mm -hmm. that has expressed this fur in such a pattern that instead of being spotted or dotted, it's just all black fur and people call that, black panther I, I learned so much on this trip but it was also like a giant house cat it was so wild like it was just like this little you know obviously not a full-grown you know panther but this this you know like it was you know pretty large and, and i'm sitting there it's batting around a football that was that was wild and we had so we had so much fun doing that that made zero sense and i loved every moment of editing it because people were like this is so dumb like i know it's great isn't it <laughs> that's, yeah, that was, that that's was pretty good. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I was no. say, so tell us more about the cafeteria. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Go ahead. No, because I remember the videos of like when you Billy went to go do the hot yoga. I think that was yes. like for may have been like the football, the grid of death punishment. Yep. And then uh you guys went to the um all-star game at uh, Marlins Park. Uh, well, when Roy when Roy hit the home run, so uh, I hate to I hate to be a stickler for details, but Roy did not hit a home run. Uh, <gasps> you're, you're Exclusive. Ta- you're talking to the person who still holds the record for the first home run in Marlins media softball game history. So, thank you very much. Thank you very much. First home run. Billy Billy also hit a home run, uh, but uh, I think Roy Roy had. Roy didn't hit a home run, but Roy had a, Roy had a pretty decent day at the plate. Um, was it inside the ballpark home run that he hit? I don't think so, because because they had the because it, it was classic like you know they they had the field set up basically like the the celebrity softball game that you'd mm-hmm. see on um, and this was not for the All Star game. This was pr- like pre uh, this is like a few weeks before the Marlins season, whatever year that was. That must have been twenty sixteen season. And yeah. they had they had like all the media come out and they gave us customized jerseys, our names on the back and everything, white team and a black team. And, uh, you know, like in terms of the jersey colors. And then uh, we uh, so it was, it was it was me, Billy, Roy and Chris. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think we, we were playing on a team with like who was who was our coach? Who was our celebrity coach? <laughs> Preston Wilson was out there. Um, 
I forget who it was, but uh, if you're listening to this and and you watch local TV coverage in Miami, uh, Kelly Blanco was on our team. Uh, And so she was great. Uh, That's a really deep cut. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that was, that was, that was so much fun. I I love that. I love playing softball on the Marlins Marlins field. I don't even know. I don't know what the question was. I just got on a tangent, started thinking about that softball game. That that cafeteria. cafeteria. (laughs) There you go. I don't know how we got here. <laughs> Billy intercepted us. Where you know That's we have right. to throw an homage every now and then. One of us will have technical difficulties, a la Zo. Uh, this, like, like yeah. he did that one Twitch where he's like, "I got the wrong key." <laughs> oh my God, Lorenzo and Twitch. It's amazing. Um, he there. We've had so many, you know, these Twitch streams where he's like, "We're starting it like." 8 p.m. or something and like i'm out and about i can't make it whatever and like billy's texting me like like i get home like 10 p.m he's like dude we're still waiting to go live just like hop on now that is you've been waiting for two hours with zoe while he figures out his stream like that's absurd that is you you still have people there in the room waiting for you guys that really love you guys it's a testament to how much like you may not realize it maybe at the moment but you do have fans that are really enjoy what it is that you do you know enjoy not only spending time with you guys but are you know just really are enthused about being able to talk with you guys as well like you may maybe you may not have realized how far you're I would say celebrity if that could be the word optimal word that we could use but you don't realize how far your celebrity actually reaches out to you you know yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 always weird. I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, maybe that's like, uh, you know, maybe you have to have like a different level of, um, you know, I don't know. I don't even know how to how to phrase it, but just just to like it always our group, the group that we're talking about. It never really seems to like strike us like on a, on a on a weird level. Like I'll, I'll say it this way: like I remember being at uh, I think it was a it was a Miami Heat game with Billy. It was either a Heat or a Marlins game, and someone just like stopped them. Like it was so starstruck, want to take a picture of them, and we're like walking away. He's like, "Dude, that is so weird to me. Like, I still, I just don't understand why." I'm like, "Dude," and I, I'm looking at Billy. Who like Billy's the one who's like you know more prominently on the show, has the followers, everything. I'm like, "Dude, how do you not understand that? Like, you're like, what are you talking about? People love you, dude. People think you're hilarious. You're creative. All these things. Um, but I think even you know, it's like." it's probably a good reminder to just stop and take stock and appreciate the fact that like as small as this may feel, or, you know, as weird as it is to us, like there are a lot of people that, that have invested a lot of time and listening to this, the content we put out there. And I think we're, we're forever appreciative of that. like forever and ever. Like, I, I just think that the, the, the greater Levitard audience and the ways that it trickles down to all different sorts of shows and things is the most impressive thing uh, of any sort of fan base uh, of any media property ever. It just, it just consistently blows my mind. And it's like, you got to forever be thankful for the people who invest their time in that. And so, and we are, even if we don't say it enough, you know, so. <laughs> How do you feel about that sound bite that Billy sort of, <laughs> I, 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 I like to say dad, where he's like, Charlie is, but Charlie, but. Charlie and Dan's like, <laughs> are you ever yeah. gonna say anything? <laughs> well, you know, it's so it's so funny because it's like you know, 
he just got caught up in the air on live radio, you know, and, and it's so funny because, you know, it's, it's not like, like all the time we had those moments, but like knowing how Billy's brain works, it's like clearly he was, he, he was, he had a way he wanted to set whatever he was going to say up and he, and he just couldn't quite finagle it the right way. And, and by the time he, he had made his third or fourth attempt, it was like, Oh, he's, he's hosed now. Like Dan's going to call him out and he's done, you know? And, and I remember, I forget what I was doing that day. I was like in the middle of an edit or something or a slam and I kept, my phone kept going off. And I, I just remember being like, so pissed off. I was like, dude, people won't leave me alone. Like I'm, I'm, and I finally check and they're like, dude, get to a TV. Like they're just blowing this out. Like they, you know, your name's all over the, the scroll and they're talking about, you know, you and Billy. And I'm like, Oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. So like, I went back and they had, they had like the me running the American Ninja warrior course and a little mini <laughs> box on the screen. I was like, this is, this is so silly, but that's like, that's such a Levitar show thing too. It's like, you know, in a moment's notice, like everything just gets blown up and they do something, they just, they just take something to the nth degree. So it's, it, you know, it was hilarious. So funny. You don't get any more people like coming up to like old money, Charlie, right now it's just Charlie Hume. Like they, that's kind of been dropped. <laughs> I, I, uh, like people, not, every once in a while, you know, you get a, a Twitter reply or whatever else. Um, it's what it's 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 such a weird thing right because i um like the levitard show when i was on the show like in miami so that was like 20 mid 2015 to like mid 2016 right mm -hmm. um it was like everyone had some sort of demeaning essentially attribute that you know was kind of played up and and it made every character kind of like self self-facing it, it, it to me it was brilliant that it made all these characters like relatable likable to like anyone in the audience right so you had like fat chris you had you know a, like you know brooding roy insecure billy you know and mine was actually like old money charlie like it's like it was they're kind of ribbing you a little bit like you know you know like dan's joke i think the genesis of it was like i got this guy here who's like you know flying to the masters and the warriors games and everything he's like he's getting me coffee like what is going on right now and um so and and it you know it's kind of a nod to stuff i was able to do through my family which is like obviously i'm very you know i, I feel extremely blessed and privileged and proud of that but at the same time, it's like, it's so, so at the time you're like, this is, this is, it's kind of a fun little dig. Like, I don't really mind it. I think over time, just the way that the, you know, the world has changed and everything, it's like, it's, it's just hard, especially for people who didn't watch the show during that period of time mm -hmm. and they come to something new and they're like, yeah, see this like white guy who's like, you know, privileged and everything like, you know, his name's old money Charlie. Like, this guy's probably an asshole. And they're not even wrong to assume that. You know what I mean? But but it, it, after time I was like, I don't I don't really love that anymore. So I just tried to like Yeah. I, I just kind of just, you know, I didn't really respond to it as much if at all. And uh so it's kind of died down thankfully over time. Mm -hmm. Um but, you know, it it, it is it was the origins were were fun and part of something that Dan did to everybody on the show, you know, and now I think it, it's a little bit less, you know, it, it's a little bit less that way. So I just kind of just kind of let it, let it roll a little bit. That's good. Yeah. Cause I remember like in the beginning, that's when I started watching and listening to the show it was like 2015. And I kind of had that same thing too, of like, 
like okay but because you only you don't really go deep you only have like the surface and it was weird i was like oh so like he has all these connections and it got him to levitard weird <laughs> you know yeah. <laughs> and then it they were kind of making you out to be like they're the non-sports sports show and you were like a very sports oriented person so it's like you kind of more um didn't we're not supposed to be there and then it was like no you you would get to talk and stuff like that we get the bits that you would do and you would appreciate your presence on the show and what you would do um on it so i after a while it was you got the joke and you were let in on it and you were just like he's more than this um you know old old money charlie there's you know he's actually just charlie and then there's these other things well and i i appreciate that because i think it's like it, it's you know uh it, it takes time to like the, it's funny like you know the the you don't get the show sort of you know mantra it's like there are a lot of various different things that you know like it's it, it's like a rolodex of things like you know even for me really like and taking stepping away from the show, doing other projects where I come back to it and people are using sayings, talking about things. I'm like, I got no idea what's going on here. And so, you know, so I, I appreciate the fact that it would be hard to understand that. But the fact that like, you know, there are people that are like, oh yeah, you know, like, you know, you, you talk to the guy, like he's not, he's not, you know, the caricature that they make him out to be is, you know, it's like, I just hope some percentage of the people got to that because yeah <laughs> eventually it takes time because exactly. you know how that was a thing where dan would always be like okay peek behind the curtain and he's like yeah. you guys know i hate doing this and then he would you know kind of whether it's you or bits or whatever and then it's like okay moving on back to the show like what <laughs> yes. were you know what were we talking about yeah no it's it it was it, it was a good really good device for making it the show relatable so yeah absolutely do you have a favorite moment from the show that, that whenever you go back and you go, oh, my God, that I can't believe that happened or something that just makes you laugh at, out of the blue that people may think you're a lunatic because you're laughing at yourself? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it is so, so, so hard to say, like, it was this moment. Right. Because it was just like there is so many different memories of, uh, you know, different projects or, or, or different show days. Um, uh, you know, like I, 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 like it all rewarding or funny for different reasons, you know? So, you know, I, I think they're, you know, Super Bowl was amazing. American Ninja Warrior was amazing. Um, some of the stuff we got to do there in Miami was, you know, amazing. I think, you know, just on a daily basis, you know, laughing with, like, I remember that there, we, we would just, there at one point i forget what i forget what the genesis of this was but we were kind of stressed out or working on some project and it was like billy and uh chris and i and we're like well, let's just have a laugh session and we i think one of us was i might have been in the radio studio like at dan or Stu's mic like looking through the glass and we just all just spontaneously started laughing like fake laughing and then it was like so absurd that we actually started laughing and and like we're like dude people if anyone walked in here, they think they were like complete lunatics. Um, but, you know, so like they're, they're just like little moments like that that I think made it special. But like I, if I had to pick like one show moment that just stood out to me, like even more than any other thing I worked on, whatever. It was really it was super early on when I joined the show. And I remember it was like it was, I think it was like one of the first or the second years 
that they were trying to get Bud Grant on uh, because he was having oh. his having his yearly uh um like Gar- garage, garage sale, sale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it might have been the first year and 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 they tried a multiple days in a row uh and uh it was right about the same time where like you know they were there had been some debate on the show and again no idea how it started but uh was like do you stand or do you sit when you wipe after you go to the bathroom right mm-hmm. and uh I just remember like us finally getting Bud Grant off for like the third or the fourth time or something. And Stu Gott's asking him and, and, uh, and Stu Gott's like, do you stand or do you sit when you wipe? And Bud Grant's like so pissed off at us, like so sick of answering questions. He's like, it depends on the consistency of what I'm doing. And I just, like, <laughs> I just I just died laughing. And that, that was probably for me, like the moment where I was like, dude, this is, this show is so different from anything I've ever worked on. And this is going to define like a large part of, you know, the beginning of my career, because it was just like, it, it was, it just, I was, I don't think I'd ever laughed as hard working on it on a set of, of anything. And, and it was just like, wow, this is, this is hilarious. And that was like, you know, yeah, like maybe a week or two into taking that job. So it was, that was really fun. Before I shift on to Jeanette, did you, going on to this, did you get the show from the beginning or it took you a while to actually get the show? I Before, like w- when I first had someone like reach out to me and say that they were like looking to fill this position and that they, my name had been passed along, they wanted to like chat. So I was like, okay, like I'm just going to do my homework on this. And uh, so just downloaded a bunch of different episodes that were available in the, in the podcast feed. So this is probably like, like early spring, like mid spring, 2015, probably like, yeah, like February, March in there, somewhere in there. And, uh, and it wasn't simulcast yet. This is just like, you could, you, I think you could watch it on ESPN.com with like the little robotic cameras they had in that back room, but it was just basically just on ESPN radio available via podcast feed and available locally in Miami. Um, and, uh, and I, I remember listening to that being like the first couple, I'm like, dude, these guys are like so mean to each other and so mean <laughs> to the guests. And I was like, this is like, but, but the, the, immediately it struck me like how, of how unique it sounded. And, and I was like, I don't know if this is like too weird for effect. Like if, the, like if this feels contrived, or this is like, you know, legitimate and organic. And every time I listen to the show, like a, a new day's episode, the further and further I kind of got drawn in with like, wow, this is, this is, it's, it's not like they run out, trot out the same bits over and over and over again. They find ways to, to come up with new ones and they, they make the, the, the old ones kind of stick and roll over, you know, and have new iterations and, and it feels organic. So then I just kept getting more and more. In. And then by the time I like, I went down there to do an interview and meet the guys, I was like all the way on the show, loved it. Um, and then, yeah. And then, you know, got hired and the rest is sort of history. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's kind of how it starts with everybody. Um, We've all had those moments of like, how do we get introduced to the show? And it is a stark reality of what you're used to, what you were used to hearing on ESPN. And, you know, going from Mike and Mike, you know, Stephen A, Max, and then you have Dan. And whatever the sports headline of the day is, you know, will he or won't he get traded? Um, you know, you know, LeBron versus MJ rings, stuff like that. 
and they're talking about you know um how do you eat your steak like yes. let's call let's call 50 people and ask them how do they what's the best way to eat a steak where do you eat a steak from yeah. right and that's just like different because you're just like wait they're not gonna break down like what are the yankees chances to win the world series like what the hell like should this coach be fired it's like and then you get sucked in because either the ridiculousness of the question the infectious laughter or then sometimes when dan has a serious moment on the air on a serious issue and you stop to listen and empathize and be a little bit more educated and then you go on to a poop joke yeah it's it's like it is you realize like i think a lot of people say like it just it ruined the rest of sports radio or sports tv for them and it's it's absolutely the truth because it's like you realize how you realize really how little you care about all the opinions you used to consume on a daily basis on all these sports it's like you you watch shows or listen to things where people are like breaking down it's like dude these guys it if the people talking were really that much of experts like they wouldn't be sitting here having this podcast they'd be working for teams you know in these leagues or whatever else you know what i mean so it's like it's really just it, you realize how silly the whole construct of sports media is and you know that we have to fill multiple networks with 24 hours a day of content much of it talking heads type content and and it's it's just it's it's hilarious and then also like stopping to marvel at the gas baggery at times of like mm -hmm. you know I, I was in the group that was developing first take before Stephen A or before yeah before Stephen A Smith was a regular on on like he he just did a Wednesday gig at the time right it was like it was I think maybe it was Jay Crawford, Dana Jacobson was hosting and it was like Skip Bayless. And it was like a rotating set of panelists and they brought Stephen A. In. And it was like, what is this? Like we've never had anything on ESPN that's like this show, but yet everybody who's in, you know, screening an ESPN when, when these two guys are on together, they stop and they watch. And it's like, it's, it's not particularly insightful or groundbreaking, you know, intelligence, but it's super compelling. We know that. And we know the ratings go up when they do it. So the fact that like that sort of broke the model in a lot of ways. And then also like, I mean, I think it's had a lot of detrimental effects, but you know, like the fact that, that, you know, the show all the time would sort of bring on Stephen A and Marvel at his sayings and stuff like that. It's like, you kind of got to step back and be like, you know, okay, it is kind of fun that we're a part of this. You know what I mean? This whole thing is kind of is like is absurd for a lot of different reasons. And some people just do super mundane sports shows. And I think those are just like completely ruined for me. But you can also, you know, consume some of the sports shows and be like, wow, these are brilliant actors or actresses. You know what I mean? So I, I think that, you know, yeah, it, it, it really ruins all the rest of it for you. But it also kind of gives you a more, you know, a, a humorous lens with which to view you know, everything. And, and also to your point, like, you know, there are a lot of serious topics where you want someone who's going to be intelligent and be like, okay, we cut down the clown car for a second, have a serious conversation and then wrap that up and get on, you know, with what we were doing before. And I think that's, you know, that, that, that's a level of versatility that very, very, very few other shows or personalities have. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember here in LA when the, the local guys didn't want to talk about like when ESPN, they had they had the game with, you know, they went to Cuba for the baseball game and they went with President Obama. 
they deferred to Dan to talk about the significance. And I think they wanted him to sh to like say, this is so, they wanted him to be a company man. And these were people that were like couching that they knew Dan. And they're like, he's gonna have a great, you know, he's, you know, and then when they hear him talk about like when the guy did the little protest um, behind Bob Lee and what it could mean, it was just like dead silence. And I was just like, so that kind of like lets you in on this whole thing of like it's just like it's talk because they're over here like saying we're gonna get this you know thing about dan you can't miss it and it was like they were unfamiliar with his work it was like oh who's a prominent latino or cuban in sports oh it's dan he, here's his 15 minutes and he took the time to the same energy that he has on the show he would use it with these guys and then it's like the next time something happened it's like they didn't bring him on again they were like we'll find somebody kind of by proxy here that isn't gonna you know go and talk about you know refugees and escaping the island and the castro regime and you know the the torture of the people we just want to talk about swings and uh stuff like that you know yeah i mean i think that that's um you know that's it was always such an interesting marriage to me. Um, and I, and I completely understand why it came about, you know, uh, and I think honestly, like ESPN and, and Dan were a fantastic match. No matter what Dan will tell you about, you know, fighting with the, with the executives. And there were definitely a lot of those sort of, you know, kind of friction moments. Like ultimately he had a ton of people there who wanted to go to bat for him. Now at the end of the day, like, you know, management change effectively, you know, new, mm -hmm. new president, you know, a lot, a lot of, you know, different way to run the ship. And also, and to be fair too, to, to ESPN, like the, there are a, a ton of different, it, it wasn't just like, Oh, we don't like Dan. We don't like his viewpoints. Uh, we don't want people to talk politics. Like we're just going to yank him from the air. There are a lot of other industry-wide considerations that ESPN had to factor in they're impacting all sorts of media companies. And it just doesn't really and truly make sense anymore for any of these companies to have big opinionists at their network that they have to pay a big ticket dollar value. Like they got to save up. They got to just basically save up all the cash to win rights negotiations with different leagues so they can televise those leagues games. And then they just want to build programming around highlight programming talk programming whatever it is around those leagues to satisfy those league partners the more you have of people like dan levitard who's going to speak honestly about those leagues and the things they're doing the the more you damage your relationship with with a you know a league partner that you cannot afford to damage because then they'll walk with that next contract and you could be out a ton of money so it just it's just not and, and you know that's just the way things are going and there are also a lot of other places that are now willing to pay top dollar for those opinions, whether, you know, you just want, like, you know, Dan very easily could have just gone out and created his own thing and said, I, I for, forget a revenue share. I'm just going to take all the money and I'm going to do it at my network and I'm going to hire people out. Now that requires a whole another different type of work, you know, to build out a management structure. And so mm -hmm. you probably just said, Hey, DraftKings has $50 million on the table for three years. That seems pretty good. Let's go ahead and take that. You know, and, and I think I really do think like, you know, the new wave of content, it's going to be a lot of gambling companies, companies that understand the value of like, I think DraftKings looks at Dan and says, look at the size of this audience. Like, I don't really know how we're going to do this. Like, are we going to paywall his content? 
are we going to use it on our YouTube channel? I don't really know. But what I do know is that if we migrate a bunch of those people over to DraftKings, held properties, you know, social pages, platforms, whatever else, some percentage of those people are going to stick. And then, you know, they're, they're going to gamble money. That's going to make some money long-term. Maybe they'll take interest in other content that's cheaper than Dan that we're going to surround it with. So I, I think that like, you know, it, it's, it's the, the, the marriage with, with ESPN and Dan worked for about as long as it could. And I think it was, it was, you know, they, they gave him a great platform and he gave them something that they were never going to have otherwise in terms of a different voice. Um, but yeah, you get to the end and it was just like, it just was, it just was going to be tough or, you know, because he, because you can't, Dan's never going to, you know, to your point, go on sports center and do some, you know, tame hit about, you know, something like, you know, the Cuban people, it's just, it's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. You know, and, and so, yeah. I agree with you on that. Um, I have a history with, with Stephen A that turned me off on sports radio completely mm. because I, I think I told Jeanette this story, but I, I'll tell you, Charlie. I used to be a big avid sports radio guy. I, I, was, I could go pound for pound with like any one on sports trivia and stuff like that. So one year the Yankees are doing abysmally and I call into his – Stephen A. Smith with Brandon Tierney. I don't know if you remember Brandon Tierney, who later went on to CBS, um, CBS Radio. And I believe he briefly had a show on CBS, um, the CBS Sports. I call in onto the radio program and I go, Stephen A., you know, the Yankees are not hitting right. They need to make some change. You either let go of Joe Girardi, who's a bench manager, or he wasn't the coach yet. He wasn't the, you know, he wasn't the big coach yet on the Yankees. He was just a bench manager or assistant to Joe Torrey. And and the and the other per and the other person that was a batting coach was Don Mattingly. I said the Yankees may need to fire Don Mattingly, blah 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 blah. Stephen A goes, BT, BT, this is why no one should be drinking before 12 noon. And I said, I'm never that's it. I'm done with Stephen A. I go back to turn on the radio next week. See, so listen to Stephen A. just for shits and giggles, I guess. And he says, man, the Yankees can't even hit themselves out of a wet paper bag. They need to fire Don, Donnie Baseball. And yeah. I'm like, didn't I just say that last week? And he sort of like faced me and made, and made, took like a half an hour ripping me apart. And then the next week he agrees with me. That's when I, I had this like glassy eye, rose tinted glasses, and all of a sudden I was like Burgess Meredith in that episode of Enough Time at Last of the Twilight Zone, where I'm like, I, you know, with the glasses, like I could finally read all by myself. And all of a sudden his glasses fall to the ground and they break and he can't read because he's, I think he's nearsighted and without the glasses, he can't read. And I'm like, that's when my my this halcyon image of sports and radio broke. But the person that brought me back was 2015. I turned to Fusion. I see Dan Levertard on there, and I love the the program that you guys are doing. And I remember Dan from Sports Reporters because I was a big Ralph Wiley fan and John Sound- Saunders fan. And then you guys brought me back to what it was that I love. I love the conversation that you guys had and stuff like that and that and and everything but that's just me being on a breaking on a tangent now i'm going right back to where i was going to ask i know that you are a big north carolina guy 
I think I would do a big disjustice to my partner, John, who's not with us at the moment, and ask you, where do you stand on, on the beef between North Carolina and South Carolina barbecue? Wow. Okay. Well, for, let me just begin by saying I, this, this might help you uh, get an idea of where I stand on this beef because I don't even know what South Carolina barbecue is. <laughs> like, I don't even know. Are they supposed to have a distinctive type of barbecue? Because I know that we have two kinds of barbecue in North Carolina and that, and so uh, by my count, that's two for us and zero for South Carolina. So I, 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 you know what I had some, I had some barbecue, in Greenville, South Carolina last year a couple times at a place actually called Charlie's. And it was okay. I mean, it was like they had this bottle of sauce that they claimed was hot sauce. And I was like, oh, I like a spicy, but I'm not going to go too crazy. Put it on it. Like, it was like mild at best. I, I just, I didn't understand it. Like you come to North Carolina, there's one part of the state where they have vinegar based barbecue. And there's one part of the state where they have like sauce based barbecue. And I actually kind of like both, but I, I would say I, I went to school in Chapel Hill. Like if you're, if you're, you know, it, it's not even really close. Like I will eat both, but like vinegar based barbecue is where it's at. Like there are few delights that are, that are finer than a pulled pork sandwich. That's, you know, a little, little bit of vinegar barbecue sauce top with some coleslaw side of hush puppies glass of sweet tea to wash it all down i mean that's like that is that's bliss that that's and, yeah, and that is getting one one side dish a little bit of mac and cheese Charlie. come on you can't forget the mac and cheese you could do mac and cheese too there, and listen there are there are a lot of different great sides you could you could do my preference is the hush puppies but you could do the mac and cheese you could do the collard greens you could do you know you could do fried okra I mean, we're not short on sides here in the great state of North Carolina. You heard it here, folks. No one that we've had on likes South Carolina barbecue. Everyone loves North Carolina barbecue. What, so, what is, can someone, can someone tell me what it is? All I Do, know, you know is, what it is? I, you, you're familiar with Andrew Streeter and, um, and Yeti Blanc, right? Yes. They have a running gag on their program where they just say, you know, South Carolina barbecue sucks. So anytime I have anyone that's within the region of North Carolina, even if they're from Virginia, which is where we had Lou from, I ask people, where do you stand on South Carolina barbecue? Just to see if someone will go, you know what? I actually like what they have down there. And I haven't found a single guest. It sounds like in a brief Google search I've done, it's it seems that they do... It's a whole hog barbecue, and it's it's a vinegar-based sauce similar to North Carolina's. I don't know that that's it, it feels like they just kind of looked over at our notebooks and copied it down. So this is South Carolina barbecue. It's the meme, the meme. Yeah, uh, that's that's exactly. I just did a, a verbal meme for you there. <laughs> What's your favorite duck donut? If you've been to duck donuts before, because I heard oh, duck donuts is famous in North Carolina. Duck donuts. We have one. I want to say maybe like. 12 minutes from our house, 15 minutes from our house. I don't have like a specific, like I, 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 I so I love donuts. I am famous for having a uh, terrible, terrible eating habits. And uh, so I love a donut. Um, but I like, like I'll do like a donut with like the, you know, the icing and the sprinkles on top. Like I, I'm not too good for that. 
But a lot of times I just like, just give me your glaze. Like, just let me see, mm. show me your bread and butter here. You know what I mean? Like, can you, can you locate a good fastball? Like then we can get to all the other stuff, the off speed stuff. Like show me your fastball. If your glaze is good, then we can talk. And uh, duck donuts has a great glaze donut. So, you know, that's what I've had thus far. Uh, a few months ago, I saw this great documentary on PBS of a donut King. And it's this Vietnamese immigrant that came to uh, California and how he basically had the stronghold of all the mom and pop donut shops throughout the seventies and eighties and how like the, all the East coast donut places, Dunkin' Donuts, they could never crack California because this one guy in his, in his prime, he had like 200 donuts. And that was also his way of sponsoring Vietnamese refugees. Uh, they would work for him and then he would give them the option to buy the donut shop from him um, if they saved money. So it was, wow. so it's a, it's a rise That's and fall really cool. movie. It's a what's rise it, and fall documentary. Donut King. Donut King. I have, to, yeah. I have to check that out because in the Central Valley where I grew up, there was, I, I'm pretty sure there was a, a fairly sizable Vietnamese population. And I remember going to a donut store next to like our supermarket and they had these killer maple bars. I've never had a maple bar as good than, and, and I, now I'm, I'm racking my brain. Was that Vietnamese owned? It wouldn't shock me. That's now I got to watch. That. And, and I must have a maple bar. I must have one. And spoiler alert he credits himself as the person that made the made the switch from white donut boxes to pink because pink stands out so if you're in like the like if you take a box to your break room at work and you see the pink box amongst other like white you're gonna be like what is that it's like ooh, donuts yeah if you guys check it out donut king it's on pbs if you guys can find it it's great it's it gives you a back history on the vietnam war and how they left and then how he him like saving all these vietnamese people by he sponsored them as they were refugees oh no and, cambodian he's a cambodian refugee yeah something like that so it but was great. It was great. It was just like so great. Because like, Voodoo Donuts comes in a pink box, and it says "Our love comes in a pink box." So I'm wondering which, you know. So I guess Voodoo Donuts may have taken the idea of the pink box from this Cambodian gentleman. Dude, yeah, it's I kind of like I cannot wait to watch this. Yeah, this it's is like, such a good recommendation. Yeah. So we established that your favorite donut is just well. You you want to start out with a plain glazed. Well, but like now we now we got to talking about it. I'm, I'm uh, I, I, you know what? I'm gonna say maple bar because you brought up fond childhood memories. Uh, my favorite donut. I'm gonna go with the maple bar. God, where do I you, get maple bar? Where do you stand on the? Uh, I guess the Instagrammable donut, where it's we have to create something that looks on the gram, and it'll taste good, but it's more about style over substance do you indulge in those or are you more of like i want to stick to the classics i i can't even uh, i i have to like try to thinly contain my rage i hate everything that has to do with social media so much i hate everything that social media has done to our society so my my short answer without delving into all the rest of that is no don't make your donut for instagram make your donut so i can eat it 
please. Because I don't care what it looks like on Instagram. I want it to taste delicious. So that is my, that's my answer to that question. Okay. <laughs> so I know that you're an alumni of, of North Carolina. Yes. Take us to, I asked you before to regale us of any stories that you may have of the Jordan sneaker room that apparently is a, the shrine of the Carolina Blue Jordans. And then have you seen one pair, that one distinct pair that you go, I need to have that pair in my collection. So, so okay, so I've never personally been in that room, but I, I will say that I think it is one of the greatest recruiting tools that one can have because sneaker culture is so huge, specifically Jordans, specifically in the in a football arena where like North Carolina could have some recruiting pull, but it's obviously going to be an uphill battle against a lot of other like, you know, the Clemsons of the world, the other kind of, you know, Southern schools that are going to be tough to, to compete against, you know, traditionally. Right. Mm -hmm. But that Jordan pull and the fact that like Mac Brown has a new pair of custom Carolina Jordans on every single time he goes out to practice and they're posting those on his Instagram. And he seems like the most, the hippest, most relatable, like old dude who also will win you national championships. So I, um, I, I, I love that aspect of Carolina athletics in general, but specifically the way now that it's, it's filtered into some of these other sports, I think is amazing. Um, all that having been said, it might shock you to learn that I am not actually that much of a sneakerhead. I don't even own a pair of Jordans. Uh, and so I, what people say the 11s are, are really good Jordans. I feel I, I because I, you do know they have Jordan golf cleats now that they've been yeah. selling now. So I'm wondering, so, I thought you might have had a pair of those. Well, wow, these, these 11s actually look pretty sweet. Yeah. I think, I think maybe I'm going to say 11. So yeah. So I, I'm, I'm like, uh, I, I've seen the Jordan golf shoes and I've, thought about buying them i actually have a pair of uh air force one golf shoes like all white air force ones that are uh, they're pretty sweet i i like uh um this sounds a little bit traitorous coming from a carolina alum but i actually really love adidas shoes i like i love adidas boost and there's like an adidas golf shoe that almost looks like it, it's not the new one they released not the new stan smith one but it looks similar to that it looks like an old adidas tennis shoe that they've like sold for golf and it is the most comfortable thing I've ever worn. And so I, I predominantly wear uh, Adidas golf shoes and like running shoes. So there you go. A little blasphemous. You want us to like edit that so it will make it. <laughs> and I'll say, I love Jordan sneakers. I am Charlie Hume. I Thank you very much, Michael Jordan. You can you can bring back you can bring the Brinks truck of Jordan sneakers to my home. <laughs> That's perfect. So, yeah, I'll just I'll just record. So I'll just say this this is a message from Charlie Hume, and I love Air Jordans, and I endorse this message or something like that. You just pop that in. <laughs> I wanted to sound like it's cut up, like we pasted it together. Yeah. So we like a ransom say, or like yes. a hostage <laughs> yeah. note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I love them sneakers. They, I love sneakers Air Jordans. <laughs> Air Jordans are my favorite sneakers. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had Ed on. And we talked about sneakers galore and how he's a big sneakerhead. And then yeah. I interviewed um, Anne Levine. She, her father was uh, Larry Levine. He designed all these famous coats for like um, Bergdorf and Goodman and all these big, um, like, you know, Saks Fifth Avenue. He worked with uh, 
when like I don't know if you um what's this guy the one that they that Ian you and McGregor made a series of Halston Halston was like a uh, was a um an apprentice under him and all these different people and and you know these like she knows a whole bunch of famous people and through her father because her father's a big designer and I asked her I said and what's your take on sneakers and tuxedos because I remember at the Dan Levitard's wedding. All these people were coming, you know, like Izzy, and I don't know if you, I, I clearly not you because you don't have Jordans, but um, maybe you might have a <laughs> pair of Yeezys. You might be the pair of the Yeezy type, but all these people have all these Jordans. And he goes, the only people are wearing them now, and that's pretty cool. The only person I could see making it, like bringing it and making it like very iconic is Pharrell. So unless you're willing to wear a Mountie hat with a sneaker. <laughs> I tell you what, I have a pair of uh, Pharrell did uh, a, a line of shoes for Adidas uh, that yeah. are extremely comfortable, and I have I two think pairs. I have two pairs kind, of those. I think they yeah. call humankind or human nature or something like that. I think that's what I think it's humankind. Yeah, I have an all white pair of those and like a rainbow pair of those. They're phenomenally comfortable sneakers. I should wore I wore my white ones last night. Look at that. Look at how's that for timing? You need to you need to click on some um, golf cleats uh, onto those, and you'll have the most comfortable pair of sneakers ever. You know, maybe I'm telling like, you, man. Adidas has me covered on all fronts. I did, you know, maybe, I, I hate to say you, it. Maybe you could use those uh, big money Charlie connection to give no. a sponsorship. Would be nice. Would be nice. <laughs> I'm just teasing Charlie. <laughs> Jeanette, Jeanette, and I have been devising plans on getting some sort of sneaker sponsorship. Even though this podcast is about miscellany, <laughs> about miscellaneous things. So if we get a sponsorship. It'll be 80, 80, 19, and 1. So that 1% will give it to you. So Yes. There you go. Just get, just send me oh. one one pair of golf-related shoes. Uh, that's all I ask. Yeah, or if we get a donut sponsorship, we'll yes. do 75, uh, 75, 75% to- 1. <laughs> no, no, no. Charlie has – I was thinking Charlie would get the 75%. But then, like you know, that. we would also have – I was would thinking have, I would get the 1% because be, there should be donuts. <laughs> just send me a box of maple bars and we'll call there it There you go. That's perfect, yeah. So I know that um, in one of the podcasts I heard or or somewhere that you actually could have gone to USC, but instead you went to UNC. So what was the decision in like how how did that how did you go through that process? So I was born in Pasadena, uh, and my parents went to USC Business School. That's where they met. Uh, mm-hmm. And I loved the Trojans growing up. Loved them. Uh, USC Trojans football was like just lived and died for it. Uh, and um, I, so you know, gr- grew up in Fresno, California. Figured, you know, applied to a bunch of UC schools and schools nearby. Um, but my mom's side of the family is from the, is from the South. And so we, sp- we spent a little bit of time in Carolina when I was growing up. Uh, and uh, so I, um, yeah, like I, I just, you know, so I, 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 you know, applied a lot of California schools and then, and then some schools kind of where I got to visit around where my, where my mom's family lived. Um, but not expecting really to get in, you know, I think I applied to like, you know, Wake Forest and, and Carolina, maybe Davidson. Um, but I would just like, okay, I'm going to, you know, really, really, really push to get into USC. 
and if anything else happens, you know, like we'll just see. Like I didn't really even have a plan in place. It was like either get into USC or I'm going to be heartbroken. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I got, what was it? I forget the order of the, I think I found out from Carolina first, I was in AP gov class and like it, it is, uh, so they tell me difficult, really difficult to get into Carolina out of state. And, uh, I got an email and, uh, it was like, you, you got accepted. And I was like, Oh wow. Like this is like, this really, really changes the math. And just like went home and talked to my parents and thought about it. And I was like, it's, it's just a chance to do something completely different and, you know, go to see a different part of the, of the country, meet new people, be exposed to new things. And I got into SC after that. And I, I, I'll never forget. Cause like, they were so stunned because they'd come to campus and did a presentation. I was like, in my USC gear. And they're like, this kid's a lock. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I got it, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Carolina. And they're just like, what? Uh, but I, 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 I is a phenomenal school. I, I, and I'm sure I would have loved going to SC, but I, I just think that it was, you know, it, it was, it, uh, you know, it was definitely for the best. Like, cause I'm, I'm living in North Carolina now. I love it here. I'm, I'm probably never coming back to California. So I guess, so I guess it all worked out, didn't it? Yeah. So in your time there as a student, did you ever see Jordan like at the, you know, at, at whatever events? Cause he's not, I know primarily they would invite him for like probably basketball, but maybe he went to like a couple football games or something like that, or just dedicating a new building, a ribbon cutting ceremony. While I was there, so I worked in the sports information department. And uh, so like one of our things we do is we'd hand out like stat sheets at different timeouts uh, during basketball games. I remember it was, I think it was one, it it might not have been the Duke game. I forget which game it was, but he was there. And uh I was like determined, like I was going to hand Jordan a stat sheet. And like, I just remember just like going up to him and like eyes were like saucers and like, here you go, Mr. Jordan. And like, you know, like and he, he looked at me, he could just tell, I'm sure it happens to him like 20 times a day. He's like, you know, thank you, young man. Like, you know, I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, like Jordan's so happy with me. I gave him a stat sheet. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I didn't really, you know, and I was actually at the, this is after I graduated several years after, um, where he had the famous, I think he was with coach Fedora. And I think they were, this is when they were announcing that Carolina's football, you know, uniforms would be Jordan rather than Nike going forward. And he, it was a famous ceiling. The ceiling is the roof speech. I was about to ask him, comment about that. And I was there. And I remember being there at the time. I was like, is this dude drunk? Like what's going on right now? But I was like, I thought it was hilarious. So still at the time, like, this is, this is, this is fantastic. I had no idea that it was going to turn to like the saying that was going to get printed on shirts and everything. But we were just, we were just kind of like, what, what's this dude talking about? But I was like, all right, sick. Jordan football uniforms. Here we go. Like second half of whatever game it was. So it, yeah, he, those are the, those are the two like encounters I've had with Jordan on, on Chapel Hill campus. I was hoping when you gave him a stat sheet, he would have said, young man, I just want you to know that the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> yeah. The- <laughs> yeah. It, it was, he had not coined the phrase at that time. Uh, it, it took him year. It took him several additional years before he was able to concoct that gym. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, he's, he's just the coolest, he's just the coolest motherfucker alive. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. I love that. The ceiling is the roof. Anytime I hear that, I, I, I love, I love that, that saying, I love the, the meme of him laughing on Oprah's couch 
If you ever see the, the oh, GIF yeah. of it, it's one of the funniest ones. And then because of the documentary that they did, and that's when, you know, everyone and, like, and I took that personally. And yeah. that's when I took yeah. that personally. Yeah. Yeah. What is North Carolina your favorite? Uh, is UNC your favorite campus to visit, or would USC be your favorite campus to visit? Because I know the only thing other than basically the famous people that come out of USC that I can picture is being able to hear the band play Tusk on the uh, the football, uh, you know, the band play Tusk on the football field. That would have just, if I got an accepted to USC, I would have been like, oh my, yeah, I need to be able to see that. But what is your favorite campus? Is your parents went to school there, met there, more than sure they must have shown you around there as well. SC, so SC is kind of like, it's less about the campus because it's like it's in Los Angeles. It's more about do you love the city of like Los Angeles? And also like Los Angeles is a very, very spread out place. Like Jeanette's over here nodding. She's like, yeah, I live here, dude. Like I, like, yeah, I can I can be the tour guide here. But I so correct me <laughs> if anything I'm saying is wrong. But I mean, basically, it's like, you know, SC is in I think near the Watts Watts neighborhood. Uh, and, and I think um, it's uh it's uh yeah like you know th there are a zillion different places you can live in LA so I think you 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 enjoy being at SC if you're like enjoying being in Los Angeles uh Carolina for me is I mean I'm biased but I think it's just the best campus you know anywhere ever because I just think that it's like you're um you're so you the triangle, like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a weird kind of oblong triangle, but like, you know, Durham is kind of like the, the North pointy part and kind of Raleigh stretches over down here, you know, to the, you know, to the right. And like, you know, Chapel Hill is so, to, like, it's like Durham's like North, but kind of like central between all of them. Raleigh's like kind of, you know, East and Chapel Hill's kind of like South and West. Right. And so, but there, but you know, to Raleigh is like, you know, 35, 45 minutes, depending on where you're going. Durham is like 15, 20 minutes. So you have access to like these, like kind of like mid-sized cities where there are amenities and stuff like that. But also like you're, it is a like super small college town and like all like, you know, everything's, you know, walkable, bikeable, um, there, like, there's a, another cool, different town that's even more distinct called Carbro. It's kind of next door, where you know it, it's almost like you come on campus, you're super enamored with Chapel Hill and everything you guys do there. As you kind of get older, you know, you, you kind of want to find different things to do. It's not like you, you, you're out of places to go. You can go, you know, super nearby and enjoy that sort of scene too. So I, I just think that it's like it, it, it's it's really it's a really unique setting. Um, I think the, 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 the foliage and the buildings are all beautiful. Like I really just appreciate the, the feel and the vibe of the campus. I love that. Like the football stadium is literally tucked right there into the center of campus, you know, unlike other places where it's gotta be this behemoth that's in some giant parking lot or they, it's like, it's literally wedged right in there. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I realize like there it's, you know, there are other places that have, cool college town sort of feels, you know, and, and I just probably haven't been to all those places. My wife went to Virginia tech. She loves Blacksburg. I, I get it. I get why people like it for me though. It's like Chapel Hill is just the greatest college town you could ever possibly imagine. Just, it's just perfect. And every, every, every sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, I know that just from, because I live like 15 minutes away from USC. Uh, it's close to downtown, not not Watts, not that it makes a difference. Everything seems like the same distance here in Los Angeles. So whether you're like, oh, the distance to Pasadena is the same as it is to Long Beach to Rosemead. Where is Watts? Why did I have that wrong? It, it, Watts is like, is... Uh, it's like more north, uh, no, more south of the city. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I had that. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that was the case. Yeah. But, yeah. but it is true that you like the band, if you are driving down Vermont on, especially, you know, anywhere from August to December, you will hear a very, you, you might hear Tusk as you are driving down Vermont in that, uh, that particular neighborhood. Um, and now you know it's changed it's still not as incorporated into the neighborhood because it's still very much isolated but there's been a lot of changes to the neighborhood you know the la the bank of uh, california stadium for lafc demanded a huge upgrade of the general area the felix chevrolet is being renovated <laughs> <laughs> so people were super scared there was like a petition for a while because there was misinformation that it had actually been sold and was going to be demolished because there's a bunch of um housing going up so it's like the the, the developer agreed and uh, the felix people had to put out a statement it's like no we're upgrading our super old um dealership felix is not going anywhere we're still here because people were frenzied about it charlie that's so funny yeah, like it's 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 funny, like the different, you know, LA is just such a interesting place to me. Like, I I never really lived or spent a ton of time there. Like, I mean, literally, I think I was two years old, less than two. When we moved to Fresno, um, so but it's just wild how spread out it all is. You know, like there's so many distinct places that are, and that's not just like you know, New York City. Like, there are a zillion different neighborhoods and different places that feel you know, different, but also it's like, I feel like it's more compact in a lot of ways. And, you know, mm -hmm. like, especially in Manhattan, you could take the, you take the subway everywhere where like, I, you know, I don't think there's like great public transit in LA or at least like, you know, super, you know, centralized thing that everyone uses like the subway. So, but yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, no knock on LA or USC, but I just, you know, I'm going to be biased towards Really biased uh, towards place I went to college. Now I'm, rec <laughs> I'm recruiting an 18-year-old Charlie to play for play. You, you're a let's just say you're a wideout, top of the you know five-star, five-tool or whatever the verbiage is, wideout for your uh, high school. Or University of Oregon's trying to recruit you. North Carolina's trying to recruit you. You know, North Carolina always has a powder blue, but they have the same consistent jersey. Or you can play in Oregon, which has different colored jerseys every year, uh, every game. <laughs> because you have the Phil Knight hookup, or you got the Michael Jordan hookup. And remove your bias as to how much you love the campus at UNC. Which one of the two calls to your attention the most? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a it would be a tough one because I mean, I, like kids, high school kids love gear. They just and they love shiny gear. And man, did did the Oregon Ducks have like a run on a ton of fancy shiny gear for like a long time? Um, by the way, while I was in high school too, um, 
You know, and I, but I think now it's almost like played out to a certain extent, you know, in a way that it wasn't then. Um, so I'm just going to say that, you know, this version of me has amazing foresight. And I know that the Pac-12 is going to cut a terrible TV deal and no one's going to care at all about Pac-12 football in 10 years. And the ACC is actually going to be the better place to be. And by the way, we're going to switch from Nike to Jordan. And I'm going to say I'm still going to commit to North Carolina because as, as great as uniforms are in Oregon, I'm just it. it you know what? I'll, I'll tell you, it, it. Mac Brown says it all the time. It's a it's a not a four year decision. It's a 40 year decision. So I just want to let you know, Charlie, that you just talked yourself out of eventually sitting with Jeanette and I and whoever she wants to bring and, who, and my fiance and I in Autzen Stadium to watch USC versus you know, oh, U of O. I'm just letting you know. I'm going to somehow figure out how we can get Jeanette to cross the border into Oregon. And you just talked yourself out of, out of seeing the game. Wow. I, it so hurts awesome. me. It hurts me. <laughs> because it would be great for the, the, the six of us because I saw the wedding band on your, on your hand. It hurts me because it would have been nice for the six of us to sit in a row and just talk, you know, college football. But... <laughs> Yeah, so I tell you I, what. Instead, I'm I, I tell you to what. Just send you a box of maple bars. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. SC game. I think I was probably. I'd have to do the math on it, but I couldn't have been more than five years old. Um, I went to the Rose Bowl where USC played Northwestern. That Keyshawn Johnson played in as a mm-hmm. USC Trojan and caught. I think he, he, he caught a zillion touchdowns and a bazillion yards too. I little little baby young little Charlie couldn't even appreciate what was going on. Was in the Rose Bowl for to, to watch USCB Northwestern. Uh, I I was I was gonna say I'll never forget it, but I hardly even remember it. But uh, I was there. But I was there. I want to go to Austin Stadium, but I'm more than sure the Pasadena must be beautiful to see amazing. it too. It's amazing. Uh, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I'm, I think you made the right decision there, Charlie, because I really can't take as dynamic and energetic as Oregon has been, but yet manages never to, you know, win the Pac-12 or any <laughs> substance, you know, uh, I really can't take a team too seriously where one of their uniforms is actually dressing like their mascot. No offense to Puddles the Duck, but that is not an intimidating look. The black, the gold helmets, the 10,000 different glove combinations. But when you come out looking like Puddles the Duck, mm, <laughs> that's a little bit too much time and money on like their hands. Well, so I will say this. Like I, this is this probably goes against like popular opinion, but I love adorable mascots. Like when we had the fantasy That's league, <laughs> yeah, I I like we had the, we did the fantasy football league where we all were the Lobos. I specifically asked the graphic artist Angel, who does all the show art, is amazing. If he could give me like a little puppy like wolf uh, as as my logo, because I, I and puddles is I love puddles. I, I, I love like I, there's something about it where it's like everyone's trying to like have these clip art, like fake menacing, like, you know, logos that are just so dumb and generic looking. But like all the schools have really cute ones. I'm like, oh, I like that. We need more of those. We like we, we have like a, we got a, a secondary mascot like we had um, like Ramsey's is like our main like Ram or whatever. And then we got Ramsey's Jr 
which is like a mm. smaller version of Ramsey's. And I'm like, and I, I was like, you know, my friends give me such a hard time. I'm like, I love RJ, dude. He's just, he's such a good mascot. He's very cute. He's small. They're like, you're so stupid, dude. It's like, a, it's is a, that you know, the cartoonish looking version of it? The, the very cartoony looking one, because that illustration reminds me very much of Osamu Tezuka, the guy that drew Astro Boy. Anytime I see like he, like the overly large, like, animated like anime eyes on the little ram i'm yeah. like oh come on it looks like something drawn from a 1960s japanese <laughs> japanese animator that i really like cute cute gets me every time it, it's never it's never fails you young man young man you just talked yourself back onto, onto the <laughs> row of, uh, of yes of, of the six of us there we go yeah, because then go. the extent is like the live mascots and i and i think that you know, no offense to the other creatures and whatever that are out there, but the Washington um, State Husky, no, Washington's Husky, so, like an me... actual, an actual cute Husky. It's a really great dog. You know, he's treated well. He's there at the games, very well behaved. You cannot say the same thing for a uh, Bebo in, in Texas. You know, right. I'm not I've never been a bulldog person, but whenever I see that husky momentarily, I want them to win. And then when they don't, I'm like, well, at least they get to pet the really nice dog. So I'm I'm it's I'm so with you on this because I like let me just first state how how much I despise everything that has to do almost everything that has to do with North Carolina State University, although I will say. They have a pretty incredible, uh, uh, like agronomical science, I think is the department. They have like mm -hmm. really great, like, we're not going to get into their, their academic bona fides. They actually <laughs> have some really, really good academic programs over there, but I, I am, I'm against NC state with, as, as it relates to athletics, I am vehemently opposed to everything that NC state stands for, except for, and I got ripped for this in the group text, all my Carolina buddies. Tuffy three, they just introduced a new live mascot because unfortunately Tuffy two succumbed to some form of canine cancer. Very sad, gut wrenching. And then they introduced cute little Tuffy three, and he's like some sort of mix of like uh, you know like like wolf or husky or something like that. And I was like, guys, I know we hate NC State, but like look at Tuffy three. This dog is adorable. And they're like, dude, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, I, I, I can't help it. Like, I want NC State to lose, but I want to pet Tuffy 3, and I will root for Tuffy 3. All things Tuffy 3, I will root for, uh, just not the teams. So, yeah, it's hard. It gets me. I'm a sucker for it every time. I'm yeah, he's he's cute. I just looked him up. You he's looked really him up, cute. right? Yeah. He's adorable, isn't he? Get that for it to me when you get the chance. Charlie, I got one more question for you because you've okay. been so generous with your time. <laughs> and then Jeanette can ask you uh, if she has a final question. But what is it, the one piece of me sports me uh, memorabilia that you wish you could have in your collection? That I wish I could have that I don't have? Ooh. It could be a famous golf ball. It could be yeah. a jersey. Although those may smell later on. A uh, game-worn <laughs> jersey, but what that's this is such a good question um don't think i'm gonna come out with it in my closet <laughs> <laughs> so you surprise <laughs> you surprise every guest you have on the show yeah <laughs> uh, baseball <laughs> image 
Keyshawn's gloves from that Rose Bowl game. <laughs> that that would have been amazing. Uh, oh man. Um, I feel like um, I feel like it'd be really cool to have like a set of like Bobby Jones clubs. Like it's like a really old school, you know, like wooden like clubs? just wooden clubs. Yeah, yeah. They actually like they make them now, so you can like and they make new versions for people who want to play with uh, like hickory clubs. They like these whole societies of people to play with hickory clubs. It's it's very odd. I mean, it's very cool to me, but also I don't know that I could ever do it. But I feel like that would be like if you had a set of Bobby Jones clubs, that'd be like pretty wild, or like. You know, I was a huge St. Louis Rams fan when I was a kid, like via the Los Angeles Rams, the original Los Angeles Rams. And I loved Isaac Bruce, like Isaac Bruce's Super Bowl jersey, the first one they won uh, against the Titans. That would that'd be pretty cool, too. Um, the Carolina, it's just even tough to say, right? Um, I'm going to – yeah – Julius Peppers jersey, I don't know. Julius Peppers jersey would be great. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say Bobby Jones clubs. I'm wondering what my partner would say. What would you say is the one piece of uh, sports merchandise? you like, I really wish I had that. The little American flag that Sammy Sosa waved uh, when he was when he hit the home run and he was running the bases. That. <laughs> That's a great call. That's a great call. <laughs> That's a great call. Actually, you know what? Wait, no, I'm going to change my answer. Uh, I was at uh, – what game of the World Series was this? I was at game – oh, man. So I was at the Angels-Giants World Series. Was this game two maybe? I, I think this was game two uh, in Anaheim mm-hmm. when the Giants were playing the Angels. And Troy Percival was pitching to Barry Bonds. And I, they had a two-run lead, so they could pitch to him, bases empty. I've never seen any projectile struck as hard as Barry Bonds hit this ball on an absolute line. Did that drop an inch from the moment it left his bat to, to when it got deposited in the third deck at the Angel Stadium? It, it was – I would love to have that ball – just to see what it looks like, like see, see like the, the ways in which he demolished it with his baseball bat. That was, that was uh, all for like, uh, this is a whole other tangent, but like, I'll like Barry Bonds is like, I get the whole steroid thing, but I mean the, the, the various methods of cheating that exist in baseball, like the, the man was giving us like, you know, moments and memories and celebrations of home runs. Like, that's all his health stuff he can deal with later. I will forever have the memories of crushed home runs. And for that, I am very thankful. Uh, I think he's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Uh, and just like, I, I love watching him pulverize baseball. So that's, that's maybe what I changed to. Yeah. That, that home run ball. I want that home run ball. Yeah. Um, like right now, Pujols being with the Dodgers, anytime he's up at bat, it's like that same sensation yeah. where people are waiting for the home run and it's just like utter chaos when he does hit one and people running to collect yeah. as he kind of he moves up in the rankings he's fifth right now but that would be great too or even like when he was getting intentionally walked 
right? Yeah. And it was like if it, I don't remember if he like ever set a record for like most walk being walked in a yeah. season, but the one that probably like yeah. clinched state maybe you would want that. It's not as um, flashy as the American flag or the crushed home run, but it's up there. I'm ch- <laughs> I'm changing again. I want the, <laughs> I want the cross dangle earring that Barry Bonds used oh. to wear. <laughs> That it was such a sick look. I want Barry Bonds cross single earring, the one that he wore during that World Series. That's my new oh. piece of memorabilia that I want. All right, I'm glad we I'm glad we made it there. It took me a while to get there, but but then how, like the weird thing is like how do you display it? Do you do you go and commission a model ear that it dangles from, or it's just like the singular earring in like a shadow box? I'm getting my ear pierced. <laughs> I'm wearing that thing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're putting it. It's an I'm accessory. Wear- it's an accessory for your phone case. <laughs> you just have to weld it so it doesn't come off. I'm just gonna like. I'm just gonna wait until I'm playing like a high pressure match against my buddies, and just like wait till oh, like the last man. couple holes you and throw in the cross angle. Oh. oh my god, dude! They won't. They're, they won't even be able to swing a club. Like they'll have no chance. I'm wearing Barry Bonds cross dangle earring. Like that gives me all the powers. Absolutely, that's a good one. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad we talked it out because I don't think I would have made it here unless we collaborated a little bit here. This is this yeah. is helpful. You got me on the right track with Sammy Sosa. That's yeah. that was the the little nudge I needed. Yeah. <laughs> with the welcome. Sammy Sosa thing, the thing I kept on picturing was that Sammy Sosa would be the the remnants of the exploded firework Vince Coleman threw at the into the into the into the crowd in the stadium after they threw it at him he picked it up and threw it back threw it right back <laughs> that's so good you know, oh, final question no yeah. or another one because i just watched the malice in the palace documentary on netflix the dustpan that jamal tinsley was holding <laughs> <laughs> Like nobody knew why he had the dustpan, so I think yeah. that dustpan would be like a great like if if because look anybody can say oh I have an autographed baseball from yeah. this person a, a game used football gear but nobody is like I want that dustpan I want That's the what, earring I, I like you're thinking outside the box like it's like everyone thinks about standard memorabilia but those those side pieces mm-hmm. you know that's where that's where the real intrigue's at I like that yeah. Uh, I don't have any more questions. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, Charlie, <laughs> I hope that tomorrow or soon you get to enjoy a maple bar. It's incredibly delicious and satisfying and that you have a perfect day. And hopefully, because I know we still, we, we still haven't found him, but we get to flush out Jim, the evil Jim of, that's been terrorizing you guys on Twitch. I tell you what, like Jim, like, and we essentially, Lorenzo and Billy begged me to stop making them play PGA 2K21. And <laughs> I let in after, after time, because it was just like, it, that game's hard. That game's mm-hmm. impossibly hard. Uh, but Jim was so damn good at it to the point where I started second guessing myself. I was like, is Jim a bot that PGA 2K created to place in these competitions? Well, it can't be. Like I, the only thing that makes sense to me is that Jim is some random guy that has found the society and found that people were playing tournaments in it and was like, I'm just going to hop in here and play and has no idea this is attached to 
a, a set of people watching on Twitch that just says he's just going in, playing his tournaments, beating our ass, and leaving. But yeah, that that man can, that man can play some PGA 2K. He's very good at it. I would love to see him play you guys in like Mario Kart. Just like come out of the blue, just start blue shelling everyone. They want to, uh, these guys want to play Mario Golf now. So look out for a, a Twitch stream, you know, for that in the near future. But yeah, yeah, That's we'll great. see. Jim will probably show up and just beat our asses in that too. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been great hanging with y'all. I I, uh, I really enjoyed it. So this was fun. Thanks for having me Thank on. Thank you so much. We would love to have you back on anytime you want. You just give us the word and let us know. <laughs> Charlie, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, well, I told you earlier that I hate all things social media, so I probably sh- should just, this is a great way just to just follow it up by saying, go contact me on social media. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm at, uh, Charlie, uh, with an IE, the only way to spell the name Charlie, uh, <laughs> H and then H U L M E on both, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And but if I people prob- want to see you play on Twitch, which is, I believe I'm chunky dog. 22 and dog is d-a-w-g i think that's right if that yes. if that seems wrong you can reach out to me somewhere else and i'll i'll discuss it with you uh but yeah <laughs> that should work charlie thank you so much for joining us yeah we great being on you. thank yeah. you thank you charlie